You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Dumas on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Big Show Hour 4 rolling here on a Friday. We go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, and we're joined by Andrew Patterson from Winnipeg Sports Talk. Huss, thanks so much for taking some time out of your morning and uh, chatting some uh, sports with me. Hey, what's going on? Oh, not a lot. I'm sure you've got a, a busy weekend. We'll get into that uh, coming up here in a, in a little bit. Uh, but, hey, we'll, we'll focus on the team that resides in your city right now, and they're going through a bit of a hard stretch right now. Yes, they, they piled up the wins uh, throughout the year to get them into a position where a five-game losing streak isn't the worst thing in the world, but it kind of is starting to feel like, is this going to be a similar story to last year where they had the collapse after the new year or back to 2019 where they were kind of rolling high and had Nashville chase them down and win the division? Are we kind of seeing some problems here with the Winnipeg Jets right now, Andrew? I would say we are. Um, <laughs> you know, it, Going into the break, um, you know, that was that final week where uh, the team had a couple of games back-to-back against the Leafs and played against Boston. Mm-hmm. And I listen, they were okay against Boston. It certainly wasn't their best performances, and Boston sort of took it to them. They came back and completely dominated the Leafs in the second game. Couldn't score on Samsonov. Lost one nothing in overtime. And then the final game going into the break had, a, a, I mean, a pretty good performance. It was nothing to really be alarmed about. Um, and they lost it home to the Leafs. Break seemed to come at a really good time for the club, but I got to tell you, these two games coming out of um, mm. coming out of the break have been real concerning. Um, the offense has seemingly dried up. They got shut out against Pittsburgh a couple nights ago, and then last night was, without a doubt, <clears throat> the worst period of hockey the team's played so far this year. And to their credit, there hasn't been a lot of this. They've been very consistent. Um, but it just sort of went from bad to worse. The, the uh, problem scoring continued. They got away from their defensive game. There was a few um, egregious plays um, just of guys losing coverage or not doing anything close to the defensive system that have made them the best goals against team in the league. So, yeah, there is uh, <laughs> there is some nerves around here at Winnipeg. And as you mentioned, uh, the second half of the season has not been kind mm-hmm. to the club on a few of occasions lately. So, I would say the spidey senses are tingling amongst Winnipeg Jet fans. That being said, this really does seem like a different team with a different identity this year. And we'll have a chance at home against uh, the Penguins, who shut them out earlier this week, uh, Saturday night at home. Yeah, and it, that's exactly it. It's been it's been just uncharacteristic play from from the Winnipeg Jets, and that was despite you know like you got Mark Shifley back. I know he was banged up heading into the break, but you get him back in into Pittsburgh, and then. Just the game, like you have the Brandon Dillon hit, and how? First, let's get your opinion on the Brandon Dillon hit. I know I watched your uh, your little uh, uh, your segment there with Craig Button yesterday, and he was went on with the the inconsistencies that the NHL officials are doing with suspensions. Uh, he brought, I believe, it was the Matthias Yanmark hit on Josh Morrissey. He used as an example, or Yanmark got nothing. But just your 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 opinion on the on the Brandon Dillon uh, hit there to Noel Chari. Well, l- listen, it wasn't a predatory hit no. at all. And I mean, if this was six, seven years ago, we'd all be saying, what the heck is that guy doing leading with his head into the, uh, into the neutral zone? Um, hey, it's a different time right now. And if you, mm-hmm. I mean, the onus is on the defender, you, even in a kind of weird situation like that, I mean, you can't make the principal contact uh, on your hit, the head. And that's what happens. So, I mean, <clears throat> I wasn't surprised that he got tossed from the game. I thought he would probably get a game, maybe two. Mm-hmm. 
I was really surprised, though, that it was three. I mean, there was no elbow. There was no leaving the feet. Um, and Atari to be seems honest, to be fine, back, I think. Yeah, it, it, exactly. I mean, I think they did, you know, maintain he did leave the game. Yeah. So there was an injury occurred. At the end of the day, if you break it down, I really don't know what Brendan Dillon could have done differently other than just bail on the hit at the last minute because of the way Achari came into him. Mm-hmm. But, um, <clears throat> listen, I think they expected that they weren't going to have him last night. Uh, unfortunately for the Jets, they're going to lose him for a couple more games right now. But uh, listen, I'm sure you've talked about this before on a number of different incidents. I mean, you never really know where the heck NHL player safety is going to come out on this. And they've been really light on a number of incidences, I think, in the public uh, public thought process so far this year. And this one maybe was a little bit more than many expected. Uh, going back to like we talked about the scoring issues that the Winnipeg Jets have had. I mean, they've they've got the seventh most goals out of the playoff teams. Only the St. Louis Blues have scored uh, less than them among the the eight playoff teams in the Western Conference. Is that kind of like the what you get is like it, 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 with Rick Bonus's system kind of going about like with the more defensive side of things with the Winnipeg Jets? Is is that kind of why you're seeing the less goal scoring? Is just everybody's just more responsible and just wanting to shut things down? I guess that's a theory. I mean, certainly they'd like to they'd like to score more, and they were doing a much better job of that earlier on in the season than has happened sort of on the last kind of nine, eight, nine games. Um, but listen, Rick Bonus will be happy to win two one games, mm-hmm. and uh, they did that quite a bit earlier on. I mean, the bottom line is it's about the two points, and they found a system that really. Um, you know, keeps their goals against down. And I mean, they haven't had to push maybe for offense uh, like they had in the past, but to your point, I mean, when you start getting to play the better teams in the league, uh, when you look ahead to the playoffs, um, it's pretty hard to rely on your goaltender and your defense core to Mm -hmm. keep it to under two goals a game uh, to give you a chance to win. So, um, you know, listen, they, they, they're healthy for the first time, which is maybe what makes this a little more concerning <laughs> what's happened right now. But, uh, you know, they've now got the addition of Sean Monaghan. You've got Ehlers and Connor and Bellardi, and I think they're sort of working through what the best fit for all that is. But um, getting Mark Shifley back will be a big boost for the offense. It just feels right now that this team just needs one to go in yeah. early. And then they'll get back into it. But, um, you know, you, you saw it last night, too. After a terrible first period, the team really did take it to Philly for the next 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Urson was yeah, awesome. And was. They didn't have a lot of co- shot confidence. And, uh, you know, it ended up uh, Kyle Connor fortunately broke the shutout, maybe gave him a little bit of a good feeling going in. Would have been ugly if they hadn't scored out of the break coming home next week. But um, there's certainly a lot more to give for the Winnipeg Jets offensively. Oh, totally. And I, we'll get to the Sean Monaghan trade. I know, like, the Jets were obviously really hard on getting in uh, Elias Lindholm into their lineup, but maybe the price was too big to pay because Winnipeg is a team that they value their prospects because they know how hard it is to, to draw free agents and get players to come to them. So, <laughs> you know, having the prospects, you know, acclimated into the system, learn Winnipeg, that's what they want to keep. How is Monaghan fit in through the first two games? I mean, he's been he's been kind of quiet. I thought he's he's been okay, uh, but you know, nothing nothing out of the out of the craziness. But how is he acclimated through the first two games, at least in the state of Pennsylvania? I, I mean, listen, he looked fine. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to judge a, a new mm-hmm. player who's come in during two of the more underwhelming games that the team has played right. so far this season. I mean, I think it's sort of a a work in progress, as you would imagine. Um, and, and listen, I mean, last night, things went so poorly in the first period. 
next thing you know, um, you know, he's in a second game and playing with new line mates. So um, the one thing that the Jets have going for them, um, they'll uh, be practicing today. I can assure you of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got the game tomorrow. And then they've got three days in between their next game, uh, which is a home game against the San Jose Sharks next Wednesday. Yeah. So I think the opportunity to have a couple more practices and get him more acclimatized with his line mates and team will help. Um, but he's, he's looked fine. He hasn't stood out, but uh, neither have any of his teammates no. over the last couple nights. Um, I guess, like, what I was trying to think of, how's the the whole goaltending balance here? I believe, like, Laurent, Laurent Brassois has been come in. He's been he's done really well uh, in his second go-around with the Winnipeg Jets here. Uh, the balance between Hellebuck and Brassois, do we like the, the nice work-life balance that Hellebuck's getting? He's getting a little bit more rest, and I think this will benefit this team come April. Yeah, you know, I mean, Helly loves to play. Yeah, of uh, course. And he'll be the first one to say, I mean, get me in there. Um, you know, it was sort of, for the most part, it seemed like it was about three starts Helly, one start LB for the majority of the uh, first half plus of the season. I, I, I think that as long as the Jets don't get in a situation where all of a sudden they're urgently playing for points every night regarding playoffs like they were at the end of last season, I think the plan is to give Brassois more opportunities to play, mm-hmm. you know, over the course of the last 30 games or so. I think that's the way they would like to draw it up. Um, but when this team needs to win a game, they want their number one guy in there, Connor Hellebuck. So, um, you know, I think a lot is going to depend on if the team can sort of get out of this funk over the next week or so, because if it does get to the point where all of a sudden they're taking on water and, um, you know, it's all hands on deck. I mean, Hellebuck might play a little bit more, but I think they'll look to get him in the high 50s, 60 starts for the year. But most importantly, give him a little bit more rest through late March and April than uh, he had last year when the team was basically in the playoffs for a month before the playoffs started. And I think he started the last 13 games before they uh, finally clinched their playoff spot with uh, one or two games left in the year. We we talked about it all year with the central division. Like it's you kind of want to win that division to avoid one of Dallas or Colorado in your first round matchup. How vital is it for the Jets to you know dig themselves out of this, avoid Dallas or Colorado in the first round, win the division, and get one of the wild cards? Well, you know what, Pat? Like, and I'll say the same thing for the Pacific. I mean, it is really interesting. And again, this is as things stand. I mean, you know. Things can change. Oh, yeah. uh, one team can get really hot late in the season. Uh, one team can fall off. But as it stands right now, there's really been three clear kind of contending teams in the Central and then a gap. And I would say the same thing in the uh, in the Pacific Division, mm-hmm. where originally with L.A., Vegas, and Vancouver, L.A.'s obviously fallen off big time, and the Edmonton Oilers have picked it up. But I would say both divisions – Winning first place yeah. is, I mean, such a, an advantage going in. Um, listen, I, I think you can certainly make the argument that there's still that big gap and the uh, the benefit of playing one of the wild card teams in the first round um, would be something that, that any of the top three in both divisions would want. Um, but to your point, if missing the 2-3 matchup, I mean – like let's say the Jets are fortunate enough to turn this around and, and win the Central Division. I mean, Dallas and Colorado will beat the hell out of each other mm-hmm. for that first uh, seven games. And, I mean, if Vancouver can hang on in the Pacific Division, 
you're going to have either Vegas or Edmonton going home in the first round. I mean, the current playoff format yeah. is uh, you got to be ready to go right away. There's incredible first round matchups, but there's also a lot that comes with that. So uh, I, I'm with you. I think in both of the divisions in the Western Conference, there is a massive benefit um, to winning the first round, and that's just not home ice through the first couple. Uh, it's also avoiding what should be a hellacious two-three series in both uh, in both Western divisions. Exactly. Let's say you brought it up here. This is what you get with the with this playoff format. Somebody good is not making it to round two. Uh, we're talking with Andrew Hustler Patterson, host over at Winnipeg Sports Talk. What's Kevin Shevel? I know he's got he got Sean Monahan when the number two center was was big on on the Jets checklist. But what else is Shevel Dayoff? have cooking, you think, uh, ahead of the trade deadline. They should have around $4.5 or so to spend at the deadline. That's, that'll be enough to bring in either another winger to help scoring or help up that defense. What's Shevel Dayoff wanting to do uh, come deadline day? Well, I mean, I would he doesn't bet have his first anymore. Uh, uh, yeah, I would bet that if we got into uh, Chevy's office and uh, saw on the whiteboard the wish list, I have a feeling Chris Tanna would yeah. be right at the top of it. I mean, they would absolutely love to add, you know, a player like Tanna that can, you know, that does everything you want to, uh, especially come playoff time, um, you know, to help shore up that blue line. Now, I mean, listen, the defense has been great, and all six guys that have played throughout this year have been um, definitely been up to the job. But if you're thinking about winning four rounds in the playoffs, it's hard not to, to look at a guy like Chris Tanner, what he would do for the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, I, part of me thinks that <clears throat> the reason why they maybe bowed out of the Elias Lindholm sweepstakes was knowing that they'd be able to get Monaghan at a more reasonable price mm-hmm. to first and foremost shore up the middle, um, but that it would also give them not only still more assets, but also the cap room to take on a player like Tanner. So, I, I mean, I know there's a lot of guys calling Craig Conroy right now, oh, yeah. and, and I do believe, like, I mean, you hear some of these prices for Tana floated out, and to me, honestly, they don't make a lot of sense. I, I think there's going to be upwards of 10 teams that would love to get Chris Tana that will be willing to give Calgary a significant price yeah. for it, and it's going to come down to who can win somewhat of a bidding war. Now, <clears throat> is Winnipeg going to go all in in that? I guess we'll see. You mentioned earlier the prospects that they have. I mean, I think Rucker McGordy is untouchable. Yep. I would suggest that in all likelihood, Brad Lambert uh, and Elias Salmonson are big parts of the future. And with the way the Jets are set up going forward <clears throat> with their contracts, it's going to be important to have some ELC players over the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. So if they were able to move Montreal's second pick, which will be very early in the second round, and one of their other prospects and potentially another pick to get a tan of, I think they'd love to do that. If that doesn't happen, like I think they are feeling pretty good about where their defense core is at. They probably go to add a guy that, you know, can be a seventh, eighth defenseman that you can call on him. If guys get injured and maybe a depth forward as well. But to be honest, I mentioned Rucker McGordy. I think he's the most intriguing player of all of this. I mean, he's going to be finishing up his season at some point with the University of Michigan, and I think the Jets will make a big push mm. to find him. I think the expectation is he mo- mo- most likely will. And if that's the case, there will be NHL games. And, I mean, if you've seen this guy at the World Juniors oh, yeah. or with the University of Michigan, he's a special player that comes with just so much energy. I'll tell you what, the team could certainly use that energy right now. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I wouldn't at all be surprised if the Jets' most significant addition once we get to the playoffs up front is actually a guy they drafted as opposed to anyone they'll be trading for on March 8th. That would be really cool to see him. Uh, obviously, he captained uh, the U.S., the World Juniors. And also, I hope he wears number – What is, he wore number two, right? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, wearing number two. So number unusual. Two is Brandon Dillon. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. For a forward, cool big defenseman number for a forward. <laughs> um, yeah, as long as uh, Dylan Demello's on the blue line, number two probably yeah. won't be available for him. <laughs> but uh, whatever number they're going to throw on him, people will be happy just to see him out there if he does turn pro and sign with the Jets. A hundred percent, Huss. Uh, well, before we get you out of here, you're obviously a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. You know, going back to the big game, you're out. You're actually heading to Mexico, I believe, after this. Yes, yes. It's uh, <laughs> one of my best friends is getting married. Oh, good. And uh, I would. Uh, I, I otherwise I would be in Vegas. I can pretty much tell you <laughs> that for sure. But um, you know, ended up spending the week here. Heading out on the weekend, and uh, yeah, I'll be watching. I'll be watching the Chiefs. Hopefully, go back to back somewhere um, down in Mexico. But um, yeah, what an intriguing Super Bowl all matchup! Right. I mean, the, the the line has barely moved all week long. The Niners are a slight favorite. Um, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs more than happy to be an underdog, as we've seen so mm-hmm. far in this playoffs. And uh, I mean, it's as intriguing uh, and uh, intriguing a Super Bowl matchup, I think, as we've seen in, in a long time. I mean, there's some history with these teams dating back to Super Bowl 54 mm-hmm. with that big Chiefs comeback to uh, <clears throat> get the first Super Bowl, the Mahomes era. There's the fact that, you know, they're looking to repeat um, the incredible roller coaster of the season that they've had. Um, and then, of course, on the Niners' side, you got Brock Purdy. I mean, few story, few better stories in sports about a guy picked last in the draft that's now on the verge of becoming a Super Bowl champion. Um, but I'm uh, I'm fascinated by this. I mean, I think that um, <clears throat> the Chiefs' defense is probably the the most important unit mm-hmm. that gets the least amount of uh, discussion or oxygen. And I get it when you got a player like Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's going to be. Uh, commanding most of the headlines but you know from a Chiefs fan I mean I think what gave me hope that they would still be able to do something in the playoffs um, you know towards the end of the regular season was just how good the defense has been they've got eight straight games that are allowing more than seven points in the second Seriously. half um, <clears throat> so I can't wait for the game I mean I think they've got a real good chance of uh, making some more history on the weekend um, but to me it's going to come down to their ability to and they won't stop Christian McCaffrey, but limit him um, and, you know, force Brock Purdy to start throwing it into those all pros back in the secondary um, and, and see what happens. And obviously on the Chiefs offensive side of the football, I mean, uh, you're going to see a lot of the Pacheco. I think Mahomes is going to continue to rip it to uh, Kelsey and Rashi Wright. Um, we'll see if there's somebody else on a maligned receiving group that uh, can sort of step up in the big game. Um, but at the end of it, um, <laughs> I've, uh, I've learned never, ever count out Patrick Mahomes, no. and uh, he's going to be where uh, he's going to be where my nickel goes on Sunday. I know, like, like win or lose. I mean, you, you, you oh. have the Super Bowl last year. You have the one, obviously, in 2020. But where, if the Chiefs do win there on Sunday, we're talking dynasty. And like, where do you think the Chiefs shake out in the in the annals of NFL history when you rank the greatest dynasties? Talking seventy Steelers, eighties Niners, nineties Cowboys, you know the sixties Packers. Like, where are you at? Where the Chiefs can shake out as, uh, I guess, the Patriots as well as the most recent dynasty. Where do you think the Chiefs will shake out when it's all said and done in in overall dynasties? 
You know, it's funny. I haven't spent as much time, maybe though not wanting to get ahead of myself, sure. thinking about the older dynasties. I mean, obviously, when you think of the Cowboys in the early 90s, they won three and four. Um, the Patriots won three and four early on. The Patriots, in fact, kind of, I mean, it was such a long run for Tom Brady with Belichick. If you kind of break it down, it really was two separate dynasties. Yeah. Like one at the beginning and then one towards the end. Um, so I think on... I mean, the longevity of that Patriots one, I think, sort of puts them in their own category. Um, but listen, Mahomes is only 28. Mm-hmm. If you get that and you can already claim it, okay, it is a dynasty and what more is possible going forward, I mean, I think you you have the potential of having a run that rivals are could be the greatest ever if they can continue doing this for the next few years. Um, but it's going to come down to winning this game first and foremost mm-hmm. and then kind of getting those conversations going. Um, but listen, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes is already one of the greatest historic quarterback-coach combos in NFL history. Um, they can make more history on Sunday. And if that happens, uh, all of those great all-time conversations will start to come, uh, will start to be brought up, I think, and spoken of a little bit more because they'll have actually got the job done. But, you know, if they don't win against San Francisco, I think you're still talking about a dynastic period. Oh yeah. Um, but again, the final counter involves Super Bowl rings and uh, they got to get this one, I think, to really be in the conversation with any of those teams that had three and four. Do you think uh, Zach Caleros finds himself into a suite with, uh, with the old Jason Kelsey <laughs> and uh, Mama Kelsey? <laughs> Wasn't that something? That was awesome. That was awesome. So random. Uh, Oh, there's Zach Claros. Yeah, I mean, it's Taylor Swift. It's Jason Kelsey with the shirt off. There's all this stuff going on. Wait a second. Is that Zach Claros? But, yeah, they're homies back from their days at the University of Cincinnati in real tight. Um, I would sort of doubt it. Yeah, probably. Like the fact, like he lives in Southern Ontario. It was very simple for him to rip across to Buffalo yeah. to see the fellows for that game. And I think sort of that's how that, uh, that played out. Um, and, and I will tell you that getting a suite for the Super Bowl, probably a little bit different than getting one at Bill stadium. Oh, so, yeah. I think, I think the ticket, the, the ticket uh, um, quantities for friends and family might be a little more limited for the big game Probably. in Vegas this weekend. But uh, I'll tell you what, I got time for it if uh, if he's there. Um, uh, it's a nice little bit of uh, shine for the Bombers and the Canadian Football League. So, uh, uh, and hey, listen, he was good luck. Uh, although anyone that's been to a Chiefs game so far in the Feels playoffs like has been good luck because uh, they found a way to win uh, no matter where they've been. Yeah, they're doing it. Uh, they just wait till this wait till January to wake up. Doesn't matter what happens in the first four months. They know how to win when it matters. Andrew, enjoy Mexico. Enjoy Sunday. Hopefully the Chiefs uh, get you another one for you. Hey, thanks a lot, Patrick. You have a good one. Thanks, buddy.